Perhaps you're one that likes Christmas in the sunshine. You might not after this. Hi, and welcome to the Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Log, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. Being shipwrecked should be the worst thing that happens to you on a Monday. It turned out that it wasn't. I had gone on a festive cruise with my friend. We both love Christmas, and there were activities put on for us every day to celebrate the season. Festive food was on every menu, and Christmas music and parties were held every night. Everyone was in a good mood. You didn't choose that cruise unless you loved Christmas. It should have been the perfect holiday, drifting away in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, acting holly jolly every day. And for four days it was. The trouble started at about 1am. Most of us were in bed, so it was a while before the true horror of the situation reached us. I still don't know why the boat began to sink. I don't suppose I ever will. Well, the fact was that it did. The first I knew about it was hearing what I thought was my alarm going off. I was thoroughly discombobulated after many a mould wine that evening. At first I thought that it was my alarm to get me up for work. I then came around a bit and realised I was on the ship and it was some kind of distant honking. People were shouting there was a problem. The confusion was terrible. Every passenger was running around, knocking into each other, trying to get to the top. No one knew what was happening. Once we were on deck, it was a chilly night. I think most people, including myself really, didn't want to go onto one of the lifeboats, unless they really had to. The crew left it too late. They didn't follow the evacuation procedures, and while some of the passengers got away, the rest of us didn't really want to go out on the water unless we had to. We were waiting for the crew to insist. It seemed to be voluntary, so we didn't think it was serious. By the time they did insist, we were too late. The ship went from staying still in the ocean to taking on water, and then very suddenly the boat began to tilt and sink. We all wore life jackets. Luckily the crew had insisted on that. They couldn't lower the lifeboats at the angle the ship was now at, and they didn't know how much time they had before it went completely under. The stewards told us to jump as far away from the ship as we could, so that we wouldn't be sucked under when it finally went. They couldn't tell us when that was going to be, but assured us that it was definitely going to happen. My friend Sarah and I held hands as we jumped over into the freezing cold ocean. We jumped from the lowest deck, which was still very far away from the sea. We plopped down pretty heavily, going under the water a good few feet. We could have been drowned then so easily, if not for our life jackets. Both of us, still attached to each other, quickly bobbed back up to the surface. It was freezing. Colder than the coldest day I have ever experienced at home. Instantly our teeth were chattering from the iciness and also the fear of the situation. There was turmoil here in the water. The lifeboats had moved out into a safer area, away from where the ship was going down, and a lot of people were trying to swim for them to see if they could get on them now. 
they were already full to capacity. And even when someone knew that, in desperation, they were still trying to get out of the freezing cold water and to a hope of safety. The crew finally found a way to release the other boats that were unused, which fell into the water now at an acute angle. All but one of the boats seemed to survive. The passengers that jumped in them tried to row them as far away from the sinking ship as they could. They quickly got full, and if too many people were trying to get onto one side, it flipped over and became useless. There were cries for help, and the casualties had started to rise. I saw them drifting past, clearly dead, still in their life jackets. Perhaps they had hit their heads as they went down. I nearly fell on a person when I jumped down. It's hard to see where you're going from that height and in the dark. I know some of the dead were killed that way. I saw another reason. As the boats were falling, they crushed and drowned people underneath. There were so many ways to die that day. I didn't see them or hear them. But maybe sharks swam in those waters. Who knows? The ship went down with a horrible sound. A moaning yawn. A loud roar as the water swallowed it. What was left on top of the ocean was a lot of screaming people and an immense amount of floating debris. Sarah and I still held hands and tried to take our minds off the horror by playing a game of spot the most ridiculous item that was bobbing along. There were an enormous amount of packets of crisps from some source, the plastic trays from the restaurant area and several gents' wash bags, a child's baby doll, which was well loved. I hope that the little girl got it back. Christmas baubles floated everywhere. Now they look sad. Over the next few hours we seemed to spread out, or people were just going under, I don't know. But from the original cluster of boats, people and objects, it just kind of thinned out. It was a little warmer, and more importantly, a lot more comforting to be with others as we drifted along in the vast expanse of water. We collected a daisy chain of people. In the end, it must have been nearly 30 of us. We managed to get into a circle so that no one was left on the end. We drifted off, taken by the currents and singing Christmas carols. It certainly kept our spirits up. We figured we would be easier to spot too when the daylight came and the helicopters arrived to rescue us. We had not been lucky. The ship had gone down smack bang in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. No one in our daisy chain knew exactly where the help was coming. We just imagined that it would. Deep down, we had to believe that. There were no crew in our group, and not one of us had been told about what was going on. We didn't know what to do next, only to stay alive and to keep together. About 3.30 in the morning, we noticed that we couldn't see another living soul. Everyone had been cast to the four winds, and now it was hard even to see a lone packet of crisps going past. It was getting tough to keep our spirits up. There was a cool mist above the water, an absolute quiet, apart from our weak singing. It would be hours before daylight. 
That's why we were so excited when we saw the ship about 25 metres away, drifting through the mist. We yelled loudly towards it with all the energy we had. It was a bit hard to see, as the ship was so dark. It wasn't the usual white of the cruise ships. Was it an army ship? A merchant one? We could tell from here that it was no luxury liner. As we got closer to it, we realised that it was made of wood. Or was it just some kind of wood substitute? One of the men in the group had seen something similar. It was a fun ship. One of those pirate-themed trips. I just didn't think it was one of them. Whatever it was, we were worried about it missing us, so we continued to holler until our throats were sore. It must have worked, because we began to see several rope ladders being thrown down the side of the ship for us. The mystery vessel seemed to stall and stay for a moment. It obviously couldn't put down anchor, as we were in a part of the ocean that was so deep. Shivering violently, we crawled up the rope ladder one by one. When the night air hit the freezing wet flesh of our body, it felt even worse than staying in the water. We grasped the coarse rope with fingers wrinkly and white. I have no doubt that we had saved ourselves by linking together. We all clonked down onto the deck of the ship one by one. We were concentrating on getting all of our former shipmates onto the deck. Some of the older people really struggled with the rope ladder. When we got on board, we discovered that there was no one on the deck, not even a sign that anyone had been there. Who threw down the ladders? Sarah asked. She was right to question it. Why get shy now? Perhaps they've run off to find us blankets or clothes or something, a man mused. I didn't know about that, but the ladders were evidence that they existed. This ship looked old and tired. I had a feeling that we were the only ones here. I don't know where I got that idea from. It felt like a ghost ship. Perhaps this was what we had come across, and under the circumstances, I thanked God for it. One of the men got sick of waiting and went to find someone. He was a very nice Frenchman named Florian. When he didn't come back after five minutes... We thought he'd got lost or was still searching unsuccessfully. We decided, instead of waiting for him here in the cold, we would get below decks and try and find the crew who must be busy sorting us out. I was very wary of going below decks. I would have felt more comfortable if those ladders had been dangling down to the sea the whole time. This ship looked like it had its secrets. Of course, as we began to walk around, we started to see the full condition of the boat below decks, and it was very dilapidated. Add that to the fact that we could not find anyone. Each person, without conversation, began to come to the same conclusion, that this was an abandoned ship, and something had invited us on here. Whatever was here, and its unknown reasons, it was still a lot better than being in the ocean, scuppered. We still needed dry clothes or a blanket to wrap around ourselves and began to search the cabins. This wasn't a large ship. Probably a quarter of the size of the cruise ship that we'd left. 
That held a couple of thousand people, so this one was still pretty big. A lady named Leslie went into a cabin. She looked in the wardrobe. There was an old-fashioned man's dinner suit with a white tie. Two other suits hung behind that with various shirts. It would have to do. Leslie picked up a brown suit with a cream shirt. They smelled musty. It was better than she had. She laid them on the bed. Behind her, the cabin's occupant materialised with a cutthroat razor in his hand. He drew it firmly across her throat, pulling her head back to tear the tissue further. He dropped the body on the bed. Like a mist rising beside him, the ghostly, slit-throated Leslie appeared, not scared or worried. She was part of it now. Florian had got sick of trying to find the crew and had gone into a cabin. He saw men's clothes too, which at least would be more suitable for him. Unusually in the wardrobe, there was a tweed jacket and knickerbockers. His assassin appeared behind him. This one had a small pistol. He gave Florian a couple of quick shots in the back. Florian crumpled to the floor, and then a lesser part of him immediately rose to be beside the 1930s gangster that would be his guide. We had all split up. The doors were closed in the cabins because we didn't want anyone to see us getting undressed. As the minutes went by, and I tried to find an unoccupied cabin, I heard the odd scuffle or cry. My people were being whittled down, but I told myself I was hearing them cry because of the cold or their situation. Sarah, who was going through the menopause, so never got cold these days, had gone down to the kitchen to see if she could find us some food. I would never know. But the ship's cook quickly made short work of her with his meat chopper. I was about to walk into the last cabin, past everyone else that had entered rooms. I didn't want to go and see what all the cries were for. I was in no state myself to help them. If it was through grief, then I was full of my own, thank you. Shivering still, shivering still. I put my hand on the handle of the last cabin. Deep down, I knew my fate wasn't a good one if I went in there. Something was waiting there and would get me. I looked back down the dark corridor. A kind of dull emergency lighting was in the ceiling of the passage, but I couldn't tell what it was. I began to walk back down the corridor. I had made my mind up that I wasn't going in that room. I looked behind me, in case whatever was in there was following. I was relieved to see that it didn't seem to be. I needed to find the bridge. There might be an answer to all this, or a radio. Several times, as I walked down the corridor, I thought I saw an odd shape in the shadows, or should I say, a dark shadow in the darkness, moving with purpose. After returning to the empty deck, I found what I needed at last. Of course, the bridge was abandoned. I tried the radio. 
I don't know how many years it had been dead. But I saw a large, leather-bound book at the side of the receiver. It was the log. The captain's log. Hopefully, this would tell me what had happened to the ship. As I read through the words, I had only a few clues. What I did find out was that all this started before the 1900s. The writing was faded and hard to read in the copper plate style. It had begun with some kind of madness on the ship and people had killed each other. My sixth sense, with a jolt, made me realise that someone was behind me. It was the captain of the ship. In his hand he had what I would describe as a short sword. Welcome on board. I see you're joining us for the voyage, he said. I, I, I'd like to get off, really, I stammered. We were shipwrecked. I am here out of necessity. I don't know why I was explaining myself to him. He only had one mission and probably didn't care how I got here. I began to plead. Listen, I won't tell anyone. Just drop me off on land somewhere, I said through tears. It wasn't going to work. The captain didn't feel guilt or sympathy. He plunged the sword into me. Plunged it into me about twenty times. He made sure he did for me good and proper. Now I walk with everyone else on the ship. We've picked up a lot of people over the last hundred years. Soldiers. Partygoers. The victims of shipwrecks. We take them all. We all live here. And it's not too bad. When there are no humans to kill, we roam around on the deck, waiting for more souls to join us on this cursed ship. We spectres drift over the salt-soaked wood, and we'll drift forever. It's a port in a storm. If you're ever shipwrecked or lost at sea, why not jump on board? We'll make you very welcome. I might see you one time. That was a dark Christmas tale, written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series, or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com. <laughs>